This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. I'd like to share some thoughts with you here tonight. You know, I really want to call, I, I want to live like Jesus. That's what I want to talk. Is that okay with you? Yeah, that's an awesome thing to close out the old year and start fresh the new year. I really, really do want to live like Jesus. And uh, as we launch out into this, I'd like to uh, look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, follow God's example in everything. That's 100%. You're right. So follow God's example in everything you do because you are his dear children. Verse 2, he says, live a life filled with love for others. I I want to live like that. Do Do you love other people? Yes. Hey, do you guys love other people? Yes. That's what Jesus does. He really does. It says, live a life filled with love for others, following the example of Christ. I want to live like that. I want to love people. You know, God has us here for a reason. He wants us to love other people. He really does, you know. And then read verse 2 again. Live a life filled with love for others, following the example of Christ, who loved you and gave himself as a sacrifice to take away your sins. And God was pleased because that sacrifice was like sweet perfume to him. I want to live like that. I really do want to live like that. A cross and angry Christian an anxious Christian, a discouraged Christian, a gloomy Christian, a complaining Christian, a doubting Christian, a selfish Christian, a cruel Christian, a hard-hearted Christian, a self-indulgent Christian, a Christian with a sharp tongue or a bitter spirit, All of these may be very earnest in their work and may have honorable places in the church, but they are not Christ-like Christians. They may, in fact, be believers, but they are not Christian in the fullest sense of that word. What does Christian mean? How about that? Christ-like. How many times did you mention Christian, 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 Mm -hmm. but people are not Christian? Not in reality. Mm -hmm. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Your attitude, how many of y'all have an attitude? A good attitude? Most of the time. (laughs) Hopefully. Your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. We should have the same attitude that Jesus has. Mm -hmm. We really should. That's what he's talking about right here. You know, Christianity is not devotion to work or just to a cause, or a doctrine, but devotion to a person. The Lord Jesus Christ. Christianity is devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship with Jesus 
the King of Kings. That's what we're talking about here, 100%. You ever heard of Max Licato? Mm -hmm. You know, Max Licato said, God loves you just the way you are. But he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be just like Jesus. That's what he wants you to, to be just like. We've told this story before, but it was of a man who took his daughter to the park, a little girl, and bought her some ice cream. He turned around and saw that she had dropped her ice cream in the sand, picked Ooh. it up, and began to eat it again. So this little girl... That's what little girls do. She, <laughs> and little boys. And little boys. <laughs> so she had a mouthful of sand. Did this father love her with sand in her mouth? Yes, he did. Yes. Was he going to leave sand in her mouth? No, he was no, not. he was not. Why? Because he loves her. That's right. He loves her. So he took her to the water fountain and washed her mouth out and then went and got her a fresh ice cream cone. And we need to realize that God has something better than he just really leaving does. us the way we were. And we need to live like Jesus. And we need to do the best mm -hmm. for our kids. We really, really do. And if somebody wanted to buy me an ice cream, I would probably accept it. You would? <laughs> and I, I, I wouldn't get sand in my mouth. That's a good thing. Because I've learned from a long time ago not to put sand in my mouth. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Let there be no sexual immorality, sin, fornication, adultery, Incest, homosexuality, you know, uh, prostitution, impurity, or greed among you. Let none of that be found among you in your life. These things are inordinate affections, not love, but lust. Such sins have no place among God's people. That's very clear, isn't it? That's a strong statement. Has no place no among place. God's people. No place. Any of those things, and you, you may see people promote movies about them and this and that and all over the planet, but you know what? <laughs> Nothing like that is what God wants to have for us, does he? Mm -mm. Such sins have no place among God's people. Ob obscene stories, you know? Foolish talks, coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, there, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit or possess the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is really an idolater who's worship, who worships the things of this world. Don't be fooled. The devil will try to trick you and deceive you, won't he? Mm -hmm. He really genuinely will. But those who try to excuse, you know, try to justify and defend and rationalize and give reasons and try to validate these sins, you know, for a terrible, for the terrible anger of God comes upon all those who disobey him. And we need to confess our sins to Almighty God. And guess what he'll do? He will forgive He'll us. forgive you, 100%. No, you know? matter, no matter what. 
Dare we make light of that which brings down God's anger? We, we don't want the anger of God coming down upon us. Verse 7 goes on to say, don't participate in the things these people do. Again, he's making it crystal clear. For though your hearts were once full of darkness, now you're full of light from the Lord. You are full of light. That's what God says. You are full of light from the Lord and your behavior should show it. Christ likeness. Our lives should show the light of the almighty God. The only way to see the sun at nighttime is to look at the moon. And and, and the moon reflects it. That's doesn't right. it? It does. It mirrors the light and so should we. Yep. we. We are in darkness and we need to to reflect the son of God. We need to reflect his light. But I have this question. Is there something that may be blocking or eclipsing the light? Is there something that's preventing Jesus' light from reflecting in us to other people? Yeah, and so that would be something that has has come between us and the source of light who is God. And when that happens, there is an eclipse. The only way many people will ever see Jesus is through all of us. Looking at you. Looking at you. And, and Jesus, he rules and he reigns and he lives in us and he, he radiates and he glows through us, doesn't he? And people are watching. They people are. People are looking to see what we are doing. You Remember the old TV antennas, you know, that you'd put up on your house? Well, we read about a, a a TV repairman who didn't like to think about work when he was at home. He didn't want to think about his job. So he never properly installed the TV antenna on top of his house or fix it when one of the arms broke in the wind. One day, a new family moved in next door and the owner went up on his own house to install his antenna. Knowing that his neighbor was a TV repairman, He put up his exactly the same way and turned his antenna to face the same direction as his neighbor's. Then, after carefully studying his neighbor's antenna, for some time he reached up and broke one arm off of his new (laughs) antenna. That's the way my neighbor's has got his set up. And he must know, because he's a TV repairman. So as Christians, we are teaching by example. We, We really do. Even if it's a bad example, we got to really teach by good example. You know, whether we want to or not, we've got to teach godly examples. And the thing of it is, we were talking with a few people over the last few weeks, and and we had shared this idea that you you never know who's watching. You never know who's watching. And, you know, we've come to find out that, you know, we're living before God continually and he holds us accountable but you never know who's watching we were years ago we went to dallas texas took uh, some of our staff from the church went to dallas texas to go to a conference conference. and on the 
the, one of the nights we had an evening free and we said, let's do something fun. Let's go to a rodeo. So we went to Fort Worth and we went to a rodeo, standing in the line to get our tickets to go into a rodeo. Big line of people. Big line of people. Crowded place. We heard a, a young lady's voice saying, Pastor Ron and Susan, what are you doing here? You know? And it was, a, a, you know, one of the older teenagers from our church. She went to Texas to visit her sister and was there at the exact same time that we were. So you never know who's watching. You never know where, you know, you could go to any place in this world and still run into somebody who knows you. You're right. But, but even greater than that, God knows. He's watching. He really, he really is. So yeah. as Christians, we teach by example. Whether it's, we want to or not. It says in verse 9, For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. You know? We do not originate the light. We just reflect it from our hearts. And this light God has deposited in us. He really has. You know? Acts chapter 4 verse 13. It says the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they, Peter and John, were ordinary men who had had no special training. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Let me just ask a question. Have people recognized you as being men and, and, and maybe women who have... Been hanging out with Jesus? Yes. They know that about you? Absolutely. That's very significant. That's one of the most powerful things when people can recognize you've been hanging out with Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know? His attitude and all is starting to show up in your life, you know? So you think about that, you know? Do other people recognize that you've been living with Jesus? You've been hanging out. Well, Jesus, and we would hope that they would. In uh, verse 10, it goes on to say, try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Hang out with him, you know, and, 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 and go to his books. You ever go to his books? They call it the what? The Bible. The Bible. And you read it and it begins to inspire us and transform our lives and we go to his books and it creates awesome expectations in us. Mm -hmm. we, we begin to believe amazing, miraculous expectations because we're learning what God's word says and it builds our faith. Unbelievable is what it says here. Verse 11 says, take no part. Let me read that again. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, rebuke and expose them. Who's supposed to do that? Us. That puts big responsibility on us as believers. We're not supposed to take any part in the, e the de worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, rebuke and expose them. And it goes on to tell us how we do that. It says, number one, it is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. Did you know that? He says it's shameful. God says we shouldn't be talking about 
You know, what other people, ungodly people do in secret. Mm-hmm. It is. It's gossip, but it's all over the news. So you need to be careful what you're reading or listening to or watching because they are always showing the shameful things that people do. You're, you're exactly right. In but it verse, goes on to tell us in verse 13, this is, this is what happens as we live as light in the darkness. It says, but when the light shines on them, when we are around darkness and we are letting the light and the love of Jesus shine through us, when the light shines on them, it becomes clear how evil these things are. And where your light shines, it will expose their evil deeds. Did you know when you live Christ-like, and people are going to question that, mm-hmm. well, why are you living that way? <clears throat> I mean, as if and we should all be living ungodly. And we should be living Christ-like, shouldn't we? Yep, and it says where your light shines, it will expose their evil deeds. This is why it is said, awake, O sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will give you light. I remember as a teenager and I had just, I had just come to know Christ as my savior right before, the day before I went into my freshman year of high school. And, um, but there was a dramatic change that took place in my life and I made it a point. I, I now was going to, to high school with a mission and my mission was to meet everybody that I could on campus to befriend them, and to let the love and the light of Jesus shine through me. And it was interesting. I'd be walking down the hallway, you know, hi, how you doing, how you doing, how you doing, you know, the whole way down the hallway. And every once in a while, I would walk past a group of guys, and they would automatically stop talking. And they would say, we're sorry, Susan, we shouldn't have been talking about that. Now, I wouldn't say anything. You know, but this, this really works. You know, if you let the light and love of Jesus shine through. I didn't condemn them. I didn't say, oh, you shouldn't be saying that. You know, but if we really allow the light and love of Jesus shine, they're going to be convicted. You know, that his, right. his light exposes. You're right. It, it does. Here in uh, verse 15, <clears throat> excuse me, it says, so be careful. You know, you got to watch your step. So be careful how you live, not as fools, but as those who are wise. You know, good advice for this new year is really what we should pursue, shouldn't we? Mm -hmm. In this coming new year. To watch every step. Be careful how we live. And every word that we say and everything that we participate in, we need to know there's people watching us genuinely. And it goes on to say, make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. And this is what God is talking to you about. He's talking to me and Susan about it, but he's talking to all of us. Make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. You think we're living in evil days? Mm -hmm. We surely are. And people are watching that and they're seeing what we do or what we don't do. And let me read one more time. He says, make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. That's what he's talking about. And, then, and that means every opportunity means 100%. You're right. You know, I was, I was telling Ronnie, I was thinking about it this morning. 
You know, and, and sometimes people come up with like little sayings that go with each year and make it rhyme and whatever. And, and sometimes it's, it's, it's good and sometimes it can be kind of corny. But the thought came to my mind this morning about, you know, that there would be open door for 2024. Open doors. Open doors of opportunity to share Christ with people. The fields are white to harvest, guys. So the Bible says... You know, people are hungry for something that is worth living for. People are hungry for something that's worth dying for. You know, and and only God fits that. And we need to make the most of every opportunity, every open open door. In verse 17, he says, don't act. He's talking to all of us who are here. Don't act thoughtlessly. Reckless and carelessly, he says, don't act thoughtlessly, but try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. He says, try to understand when we read the Bible, it's like, what do you want me to do, Lord? Mm -hmm. Lead me and guide me. I I wonder if we would ever dare say a prayer like that to God. Mm -hmm. You know, you you, you think, you know, don't act thoughtlessly. But try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. And I think in the last month or so, we've been encouraging, at least I think we've done it in each of the services, but to, to pray a four-word prayer every morning. God, use me today. God, use me today. And that's exactly it. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. He and wants he to does use want you. to use you. He does. He does. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. In the Message Bible, it says, Here is a simple rule of thumb guide for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative, grab the idea, and do it for them. It's basically the golden rule. Do to others as you want them to do unto you. You're right. Add up God's law and prophets, and this is what you get. Verse 13. Don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life, to God, to real life, is vigorous and requires our total attention. That's total attention to Jesus. And, and that's what we need to put our focus on genuinely. And it says, it's not what we eat, but what we digest that makes us strong. It's not what we gain, but what we save that makes us rich. It's not what we read, but what we remember that makes us learned. And it's not what we profess, but what we practice that makes us Christian. You know, and and I really genuinely want to be Christ-like. Mm-hmm. I really do. I mean, that's my goal and that's my effort. Have we ever fallen short of being Christ-like? Yes. Maybe we have, but then God coaches us and he puts us back on the, the right path. Billy Graham said, being a Christian is more than just an instantaneous conversion. It's a daily process Why, whereby you grow to be more and more like Christ. 
Jesus is who God wants everyone to be like. That's what he wants us all, to be like his son Jesus. Everyone who is in here, he wants us to be like Jesus. There's a lot of people who have no desire to be like Jesus. But God wants us to be like his son, doesn't he? He does. That's, that's his goal for you and for me. <clears throat> Excuse me. What if for one day Jesus were to become you? He's just going to, you know, hey, Randy, how you doing? And this guy says, no, I, I'm Jesus. But he looks a lot like you, you know. And, but you don't have any really responsibilities for that one day. What if for one day Jesus were to become you? What if for 24 hours Jesus wakes up in your bed, walks in your shoes, lives in your house, assumes your schedule, your boss becomes his boss, your mother becomes his mother, your pains become his pains, with one exception Nothing about your life changes. Your health doesn't change. Your circumstances don't change. Your schedule isn't altered. Your problems aren't solved. Only one change occurs. What if for one day and one night Jesus lives your life with his heart? He lives your life with his heart. Your heart gets the day off. And your life is led by the heart of Christ. His priorities govern your actions. His passions drive your decisions. His love directs your behavior. Can you imagine? What would you be like? Do you think people would notice a change? Think about it. Your family, would they see something new? Your co-workers, would they think someone else had been hired? What about your friends? Would they detect more joy? What about your enemies? Would they receive more mercy from Christ's heart than from yours? <laughs> what about you? How would you feel with God's heart in you? Would you? Would you? Would your stress level go down if you had Jesus' heart for the day? I think it would. What about your temper? Would your temper go down if Jesus' heart was in you for a day? Would you sleep better? If you had Jesus' heart for a day, would you still dread what you're dreading right now? Better than that, would you still do what you're doing? Think about your schedule. What you have planned with Jesus taking over your heart, would anything change if Jesus took over your heart? Well, you're the only person who's answered me, I reckon. Yes. Think but, about that. Yeah, because he, you know, in honesty, he doesn't, you know, 
he's not in control of every every minute, every day, what I'm doing. He's not. But but he wants to be. And I want him to be. But in reality, I still blow it, you know. You blow it? I blow it. Can you all believe that she has blown it that <laughs> much? Are you serious? Yeah. That's why I still need a savior. It probably means that I've blown it before myself. Hmm. And we do need a savior. God's plan for you is a new heart. It really is, you know. If you were a car, God would want control of your engine. Yes, he would. If you were a computer, God would claim the hard drive and the software. Yep. If you were an airplane, he'd take seat in the cockpit. But you're a person. So he wants to change your heart. He does want to change my heart and your heart and every man and every woman's heart in this place tonight. That's what he wants to do, to change our heart. And we need to yield ourselves to him and allow him to do so. In uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21, it says, Since you have heard all about him and have learned the truth that is in Jesus, throw off your old evil nature. See my hair have an old evil nature? Yes. He says, throw off your old evil nature and your former way of life, which is rotten through and through, full of lust and deception. Instead, there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and your attitudes. Mm -hmm. There should be a spiritual renewal of our thoughts and our attitudes, and, and it would get in line with the Word of God, the Bible. Verse 24, it says, you must display a new nature. Does anybody here ever display a new nature? Yes. yes. Are, are you different? Yes. You must display a new nature because you are a new person created in God's likeness, righteous, holy, and true. That's what it says here. Paul said in Galatians chapter 2.20, I myself, that means my old sinful nature, no longer lives. I myself, the way I've always lived, I myself no longer live like that anymore. No longer live. But Christ lives in me. Now, does Christ live in you? Does Christ live in you? He surely wants to, doesn't he? He does. I think the King James Version says... I'm crucified. That old sinful nature is crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I think there's a song we used to sing about that. I think you're right. It's just a scripture. How about that? Do you remember it? I I'll probably let... do, but I'm going to go ahead and finish reading these <laughs> scriptures here before I forget something. I myself, my sinful nature no longer lives, but Christ lives in me. So I live my life in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How about that? In 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, it's a powerful verse. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, those who say they live in God, 
the people who say, well, I live in God, you know, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Christ did. If you say you live in God, you should live just the same way Jesus does. Mm -hmm. That's what it says here. First John chapter two, verse six. And in the message Bible, same verse, it says anyone who claims to be intimate, you know, have a personal relationship with God ought to live the same kind of life that Jesus did. If you say you have this awesome relationship, you should live the same way Jesus did. You know, does, does our walk confirm our talk? Our lives should show it. It genuinely really should. A.W. Tozer says, a real Christian is an odd number anyway. He feels supreme love for one he has never seen. Talks familiarly every day in prayer to someone he cannot see. Expects to go to heaven on the virtue of another, meaning Christ. A real Christian empties himself in order to be full. Admits he is wrong so he can be declared right. Goes down in order to get up. Is strongest when he is weakest. He dies so he can live. Forsakes in order to have. Gives away so he can keep. Sees the invisible. Hears the inaudible. And knows that which passes knowledge. So says A.W. Tozer. Mm -hmm. You know? That's what he's telling us. And we have been given this wonderful example to follow. And you can't beat it in following Jesus. You really can't. Matthew chapter 10, verse 39, it says, If you cling to your life, if you cling to your life, the way your life is right now, if you cling to your life, you know, if you cling to your life, you'll lose it. If you cling to your life just the way it is right now, well, I got this thing, you know. He says, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give it up for me, and that me, Jesus is saying, but if you'll give your life up for me, you're going to surrender it. You will find it. Mm. So do you cling to the life that you've discovered, you know? Or are, are you surrendering all that up to Jesus? 100% to him, you're surrendering it. And he says, and you're going to find life in all of its fullness. Mm. That's what he's telling us. Second Corinthians, I'm sorry, Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 10 says, But you know what I teach, Timothy. This is Paul saying this. You know what I teach Timothy and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith and how long I have suffered. You know my love and my patient endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord delivered me from all of it. 100%. Although he faced hard times and persecutions. The, the Lord, Lord delivered him from all of it, is what he says. In verse 12, it says, Yes, in everyone, 
100%, everyone, all of us, who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Mm. The Lord will deliver you from all of that persecution. As well, yeah. As you give your whole, your life, your all unto him, you know. But there is an enemy that's fighting against us all the time. You know, he really genuinely is. Well, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 15 says, If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even a meddler, a busybody. However, if you suffer as a Christian for being Christ-like, Do not be ashamed. Can I read that again? Mm -hmm. However, if you suffer as a Christian for being Christ-like, do not be ashamed. But praise God that you bear that name, Christian. Are you suffering for being Christian? Christ-like? Somebody comes and says, well, you act like Jesus. Oh, thank you. God bless you. You know? Can, can we act like Jesus? Surely we can as we read his book. And we really want to be Christ-like. And all that we are and all that we do, we really, really want that above everything else. A question to ponder. We've thought about this before, but a question to ponder. If you were arrested for being a Christian. Now, have you ever been arrested for being a Christian? Mm-mm, not yet. Hmm. Would there... Would there be enough evidence to convict you? If you was arrested for being a Christian, you would hope that there would be enough evidence. Yes. Yes. People say, well, these people here are Christian. They are like Jesus. They pray for the sick. They provide for the needs of others. You know, they, they tell about the hope that God gives them and the forgiveness. I mean... You know, that's a positive thing, you know? Should be. So if you're arrested for being a Christian, amen. Praise God. Absolutely. And it says here, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, in the King James Bible, it says, be followers of me. This is Jesus saying this. Paul is saying this. Sorry. Yes, but he's talking about About Jesus. Jesus. But he says, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And in the New Living, the same verse says, and you should imitate me, Paul says, just as I imitate Christ. And then in the Amplified Bible, same verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, he says, pattern after me, follow my example. As I imitate and follow Christ, the Messiah, I want to live like Jesus. That's what he's saying. And he's just constantly saying, you know, I want to live like Jesus. And y'all should want to live like Jesus too. You just can't beat that. We know Jesus is pure. He was surrounded and cared for by women, but never accused of a lustful thought. Betrayed by his own creation and willing to forgive even before they ask. Jesus slept through the storms. He was fearless. Peter drove out a sword to fight, but Jesus lifted his hand to heal. When disciples left him, he didn't pout and go home. 
When Peter denied him, he didn't lose his temper. When soldiers spit in his face, he didn't breathe fire in their faces. He forgave. He loved out loud. He really did. Jesus Can you love? Let me just ask him. Can you love out loud? Yes. You know, it's like, well, uh, I just love very quietly. But I think we can love out loud, can't we? Mm-hmm. We, we really can. I think Jesus loved out loud. Mm-hmm. He went to the cross for us, did he not? He did. He loved out loud for us, you know? Jesus aimed at one goal, and that was to save people from their sins. And he summarized his life with one sentence. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. And I, the Son of Man, have come to seek and save those like him who are lost. I want to live like Jesus. Think about that. I want to seek and save the lost and bring them to a place of trusting in Jesus. Wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. I mean, is there anything more important in our whole wide life than to lead somebody? Is that okay to say whole wide life? <laughs> yep. Is there anything more important than in my whole life? Is there anything more important than bringing people to Jesus? No. 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 It really isn't because it takes them to heaven mm-hmm. and God forgives them. Washes all their sins away, you know. Weekly challenge. Starting this week, I will get to know Christ. Think about this. Could you do this? This is a weekly challenge. Starting this week, I'm going to get to know Christ and his word better and better because I want to live like Jesus. I won't get to know him better. I'm going to read his word. Mm-hmm. It's going to become part of me. And, and, and I want to live the way that Jesus did. So not only a weekly challenge, but here's a yearly challenge. Read God's word. Read God's word daily. You know, if you're looking for a plan, there's a lot of different plans on the YouVersion Bible app. But there's also daily breads out in the, in the foyer out there. And it has a plan on how to read the Bible through a year plus a little devotion for every day. Just grab one of those, you know, and stick to it. Maybe find somebody that you can uh, be partners in it, you know, and say, hey, right. I read this today, you know. And they would read the same thing and you can talk about it. You can encourage one another. But read God's word. That will bring about transformation yeah. in your life. And- What we would like to do at this time is to invite Pastor Joe Stublarek up. Pastor Joe has been a part of our youth ministry. For a couple of years. For almost 30 years. I think that deserves a huge applause. And we want to give him an opportunity to say a few words. I'm just going to give you my mic. Apparently you're oh, you got hands. Okay. I've got your mic too, but now That'll I have to stay work. next to you. <laughs> Is that cool? Yeah, that's cool. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, 1991 when uh, I had more hair than kids. And uh, <laughs> um, Pastor Ron gave me an opportunity. It was in September of 91. He said uh, I, we'd, he'd been mentoring me. Uh, How to, old were you then? I was 24 years old. Way too young. I don't know what you guys were thinking. <laughs> Um, but it was 24 years ago. And I really just felt the call of God in my life. Didn't know what that meant. So I came to Pastor Ron. And, and so we started meeting, right, every mm-hmm. week at like 530 in the morning for 
for a, a couple of time. years, for a long time, right? And they give an opportunity to preach. I was like, this is what I should be doing. And uh, in September of 91, you said, you know, uh, there's some changes we want to make in the youth ministry and maybe yeah. change it to a different night, that kind of stuff like that. And uh, why don't you give that a shot? So we gave that a shot. And that was, that was when George H.W. Bush was president. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. so, so here's the thing that um, it's meant to me. First of all, the idea of on a weekly basis of having to communicate God's word in a relevant manner yeah. um, to a continuing different group of people over the years uh, meant that it, had, it helped me understand God's word better than anything else. So, right. so it's, I've been more blessed than anything. But I've had the privilege of, in a number of cases, in several cases, of leading a young person to Christ, having them go and get married, uh, have kids, and their kids have come to our youth ministry, like when they were teenagers, come to our youth ministry, and now have graduated uh, high school and gone on. And the, the ability to see the, the long-term effect of being in ministry for a long time has, has been tremendous. And I was talking with my daughters tonight, too, that uh, you know ministry involves sacrifice, right? Because you sacrifice time and you sacrifice something that's valuable for something that you perceive as more valuable. Uh, and not that my family isn't valuable than the most valuable ministry I have, but sure. but serving the kingdom of God, there is nothing greater that you can do. Right. And what it's done for my family is to teach them to lift up their eyes in an increasingly selfish and narcissistic culture, to lift up their eyes and see that there's needs beyond them. Yep. Um, and that maybe there's something that we should all be doing. So, um, so I took a break uh, from youth ministry in like 2000. Uh, 12, something like that. I've been doing it for 20 years at that time, 21 years at that time, and I uh, said, I think we maybe there's something else we should be doing in ministry. Uh, about three years later, I uh, said, yeah, you know what? Um, let's go do this, even though I'm at that time old, right? And, and how do I do this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was in 2015, so I've been doing it now for, again, for about the last eight years. But it's been, it's become clear over the last year or so we've been talking, it's become yep. clear that it's just time uh, that doesn't mean I'm not going to be in ministry or anything. It's just it's going to take a different shape and form. So, uh, so we're going to uh, set down the youth ministry, allow somebody else um, uh, to do it, somebody with a different vision uh, to come in. I know that you guys are working on some stuff, but, uh, but it has been a tremendous privilege. Um, and and the, one, the one thing I'll say is that there is a lack of hope in our culture today. Mm, you're right. And many people have just given up on young people. But God hasn't. He has not. And any time God has done something, he's used a young person. You're right. Daniel was young. David was young. You look at the every, you look at literally every Revival that's happened in this country, it started in, in, in a youth prayer meeting or on a college campus or with young people. God will use young people, and he hasn't given up on this generation either. And uh, that's been tremendous to see that because I have kids and I have grandkids. And, uh, um, and to see young people praising God and, and, and trying to live a, a, a great life and having honest questions. That's been probably the, the best thing. So I'd say this. Um, this isn't a plug for youth ministry because youth ministry will kill you if you're not um, 
crazy. And uh, so. Um, that was uh, a positive thing. <laughs> that was a positive thing. You have to be a little bit, yeah, it's a little bit, you have to, you know, there's a little bit of, of, of nutcase stuff that you have to be able to put up with, right? Because young kids are energetic and you don't understand them and they say stuff. And, and that, but there is, there's some positive things. I'll say this, there's some positive things. Like if you ever want to immediately cease your kids from saying things, then you, you, if you're in youth ministry, you'll understand what it is and then you can start using their lingo, which makes it immediately uncool. So they'll have to find something else. So that's always fun. But I'll say this, that, that serving the kingdom of God someplace, whether that's in youth ministry, whether that's in children's church, whether that's in the nursery, the, 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 whether that's in, in, in audiovisual, whatever that is, serving for the kingdom of God and laying down your life for the kingdom of God is the most rewarding and thing that you'll ever do. So if, you're, if, you're, if, you've, if you've hesitated, don't. Will you fail? Yes. You will absolutely screw up. You'll, you'll do bad things. You'll do it wrong. Um, so many times when I've said that my, my method of evangelism has been to start, and then, and then the Holy Spirit's like, oh, my goodness, he's doing it again. I should probably go help him. And, and somehow it works out, right? God will, God will support you in whatever it looks like. So I'd say that's probably the, the best thing. So I thank you guys for the, for the opportunity to, to, to sit and under your teaching and, and to, to, be, uh, to be in one place. And to see the long-term effects of that has been great. So, mm-hmm. so I really appreciate it. I'm going to go and uh, uh, 10 minutes now we'll go and preach over okay. there. It'll be the last time. Okay. So. Before you depart, yeah. could I just ask you, because we're, we're working on developing another leader. Yeah who's got a heart and a passion for kids, or two or three of them, you know, men, women, uh, and all. And I would just ask that you would just pray for those people, but you would pray for all of us here before you leave. Sure. So, God, I know that ministry is yours. So, Lord, I just ask that you would move in the hearts of every person that can hear my voice right now. That you'd move in the lives of people in this room, yeah. outside of this building. Yes, Lord. That you'd move in our hearts yes. with just one thing. Call us to be near you. Call us to join you in how you're working. Yes. And Lord, raise up people yes. who would just simply say, I'm not much, but I'm yours. Yes, Lord. Yes. And whatever it looks like, I'll follow you. And if you're working I'll work with you. Raise up people like that and pour out the burden of that ministry on us now because we know, Lord, that your burden is light and that when we we take it up, we get yoked up to you. So, Lord, I ask that you do that and then empower every person who says yes to you. Empower them with the ability to hear clearly what that means and what it looks like and to actually just start. Father, give us the humility to understand yes. that it is you that is working. That's right. And it is not yes. about us, That's but right. that it is you that will give us the ability to do your good pleasure. That's right. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. I would like to say something. You know, you and Val have poured your lives into thousands, thousands of young people. And many of them are still serving him and loving him. And I just want to say thank you for pouring your life into our kids. For Judah, 
pouring your life into him for Benjamin, for Miracle, and for James. You, you were there when they needed you too, to support and undergird the way we were raising them. That we were all on the same page and what they were hearing from us, they were hearing it from you too. And you invested in our kids. And what they do and what all those thousands of kids do for the kingdom, you had a huge part in it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Love you, brother. What we would like to do as we're closing the service, we'd like just to pray a prayer for you who would, you know, stand up somewhere at some point, at some time, and say, I'm all in. I'm all in for God. I'm all in to, to help people, to help teenagers, to help older people than that, to, to help older, older people. But I'm just all in to do whatever it is that God wants me to do. I'm just all in to serve people. You want to lead us in a, a prayer? If you have not accepted Christ as your Savior, today's the day of salvation. That's right. And we want to include you in this prayer. So if you would join with us, if you've already accepted him, join with us as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe, I believe that Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ, your only son, your only son, died in my place. Died in my place. He took the penalty. He took the penalty for my sins. For my sins. So I could be forgiven. So I could be forgiven. So I could be set free. So I could be set free. From the power of sin in my life. From the power of sin in my life. And I declare today. And I declare today. I'm all in. I'm all in. I surrender it all. I surrender it all. I know. I know. That only you. That only you. Can be, bring meaning. Can bring meaning, meaning. And purpose. And purpose. And fulfillment. And fulfillment. To my life. To my life. There's no limits to what you can do. There is no limits to what you can do. When I give you my all. When I give you my all. I give it all to you, Lord. I give it all to you, Lord. As we close out 2023. As we close out 2023. And we walk into 2024. And walk into 2024. Have your way. Have your way. God, use me. God, use me. This year. This year. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen.